What's up, everybody? I am in Montana at the Hope Center, which is a 12-month addiction recovery program that is Christ-centered. And I'm here with the admissions coordinator, none other than the fabulous Patty Johnson. Patty Johnson, introduce yourself. Tell a little bit of yourself to the people. Patty Johnson. I've been with Hope Center a little over a year and a half as an employee. Um, this is about my third year volunteering with the ministry. Um, but I am the Virginia Region Admissions Coordinator, but I'm also uh, responsible for helping out when there's troubled centers and or where there's new centers opening. So I'm out here in Montana filling the gap for an absence here uh, while we are looking for someone to fill this position. And uh, been a challenge with the court system here because it's different than it is in Virginia, but um, I have a um, judicial background and that's helped me tremendously out here, and I am looking forward to being able to help this state to help people to their sobriety. So you have a judicial background and a medical background, right? That's correct, <laughs> yes. I um, actually was finishing up my prerequisites for nursing school when I took this job. Um, a lot of people are like, Admissions, nursing, that's two different things, but it's really not because in both jobs you're able to help people. So I feel yeah. like my purpose is still being fulfilled. And I know that beyond a shadow of a doubt, this is my calling. Well, when you guys listen to Patty's voice, she sounds all prim and proper. But if y'all know me, if you are regular listeners, you know um, that I am not always prim and proper. And when I met Patty and I saw all her makeup and her hair all done, wearing a dress and her hoop earrings, I'm like, who is this girl? But sitting down at Burger King one time made me realize she is my people. And um, we've known each other less than a year. Yeah. Um, she's known my sister for a little bit longer, but she's the reason I'm in Montana. So she invited me because she knows I'm crazy and I will get on a plane and fly anywhere. And I've actually extended my stay, uh, doubled it just on a whim because I love being here and love these ladies. I've got two of the ladies that are in the program. I'm going to let them introduce themselves and, um, and share a little bit of their story. Um, my name's Lauren, but I go by Loopy. Um, my mom gave me that name when I was little. Um, so I um, am a new Christian. Um, I found Jesus and accepted him into my heart um, about 10 months ago. Um, I was at a really, really, really dark, dark place in my life. Um, the worst my addiction has ever been. Um, just doing a lot of drugs and um, hanging out with really, really um, scary people, doing things I never thought I'd ever do. And um, I was uh, under a lot of spiritual attack and uh, actually um, experiencing some really vivid um, demonic hallucinations and entities and presences and it was terrifying and so you know I know it wasn't just the drugs but somebody um mentioned that I should just pray to Jesus and that it would help and I didn't really believe that it would but my dad has been trying to get me to find Christ my whole life and so I I don't know I guess I part of me maybe there was a little tiny sliver of faith in there but I just I said a prayer and I'm talking like instantly I started noticing something different, um, just a, a heart change. Um, those demonic entities backed off, and um, within a, an hour or two of that first prayer, um, I got this glimmer of hope. Um, 
that flooded my mind and heart, um, letting me know that it wasn't my own thought process, which was weird, but it was, it was in my head, and it was just like a, a glimmer of hope that I could live a life free of addiction and be satisfied with it. And it was, it was just like unlike anything I thought I would ever experience. And that wasn't what I prayed for, but I knew in my heart that that was Jesus. And I guess my whole childhood and life growing up, I've always thought that I was unloved by God. I knew he existed, but I just, I felt like I was unlovable. So um, I guess long story short, I, I, uh, I felt a connection to God immediately and I immediately felt his love. And I knew I was, I knew Jesus was real. I got the tangible proof that I needed in my heart and I need solid proof to believe things. I can't just have blind faith. So he proved himself in his own way for me to understand and know his existence was solid and real. And uh, so my addiction got a little worse over the next few months. I, I, uh, I was starting to pray. I started to pray not every day, but I did pray. Um, and uh, you know, I still had this hope, but my addiction, took me down a really, really, really dark path. And I, I pretty much ostracized myself from my family. I was unable to speak with my mother. I was so distant from my my daughter. And, you know, I just, I ended up going to jail. I made a poor decision and um, I just, yeah, I don't know. I went to jail um, and uh, for 10 days and got out of jail. And I couldn't go home because of a restraining order. Um, and I, uh, I started praying every day for help. Look, and I was looking online for treatment centers everywhere. And um, I prayed to Jesus to help me find a treatment center, a Christian-based women's treatment center. I didn't know that they were a thing, but um, within an hour of learning about the Hope Center, I was in a vehicle on my way to the Hope Center. Wow. It was, uh, it was pretty crazy, and it was unexpected. But that was one of my first prayers to Jesus that was truly answered and that hope that he gave me that one day 10 months ago when I prayed to him for the first time that hope that he gave me that I could one day live happily and satisfied without substance in my life or in my way is now a reality for me um, and he brought me to this hope center and my life's just radically changing and I'm so so blessed and I truly am grateful and I've never known an unconditional love like this. My parents love me unconditionally, but this love that I, I feel in my heart from Christ is is unreal and it blows my mind every day. I just, I don't know, it overwhelms me and it's it's too good. Um, and now things are getting really, really real and I'm starting to feel things really intensely and, and he's answering all my prayers in all of them, especially especially the ones that are benefiting my life and life and the lives around me. So I'm really grateful. I'm so grateful for this Hope Center. I'm mm -hmm. so grateful for the opportunity it's giving me. Um, my mom and my daughter come up and see me. They just live the town over, um, over there in Butte. So they just they travel over and see me like at least once or twice a month. And my daughter, um, she has nonverbal autism, so she can't just tell me how she feels about our relationship. But she's starting to show an intense amount of like trust in me again. She's starting to like emotionally connect with me and emotionally rely on me and she's super happy and we have a lot of fun now and I feel more connected with her and and the shame and guilt that I've carried so much so 
I've carried a lot of shame and guilt for abandoning her for my addiction, but it's being relieved and lifted. And yeah, I'm just, I'm really grateful for this new chapter in my life. And I, I just, no wonder I couldn't be sober without Christ. Like, but now I can. I don't, I don't know. It's just, it blows my mind. <laughs> it's good. Um, and she was one of the first people that welcomed me here when I got to Montana. And I was blessed to be able to see her baptized in the river a couple weeks ago. Yes. That was huge. In that cold water? Yeah. I, it was ice cold. <laughs> I felt that water I took her day, down and that was ice cold. Yeah. I took her down the shoulder where y'all were baptized. I said, just stick your foot in the water. I mean, you really yeah. got to love Jesus to get baptized in that water. Like, <laughs> I don't know if I could do it. It was water that spills out of the very bottom of the dam, like 70, 700 oh, feet down below the water is where it, it doesn't come out of the top. It comes out of the bottom of the, the lake, so it's extra wow. cold. It's extra cold. <laughs> yeah. It was like when one one of the girls decided they were going to do it and they want to get baptized in the uh-huh. river that it was like how many did we have six seven of us girls that oh, ended up getting 15 baptized. people are pastor total. baptized that day but yeah a, seven of us or something mm-hmm. yeah it was wonderful it and was he stood wonderful. in the water the whole time yep cold i mean he probably got numb he just couldn't feel anything <laughs> a couple of people about took him out like took him up to his neck and he had to swim back up and he'd be like <gasps> <laughs> Man. Oh well, Lippy, we'll come back. I got some questions for you, but I want um, May to be able to tell her story. So, go ahead and introduce yourself. Um, my name is Michaela. Um, the girls here call me May. Um, I'm 30 years old. I'm from, <laughs> I'm from Montana, born and raised. Um, I have a nine-year-old little girl. Um, I really didn't start using any drugs. I drank and stuff from 15 on, but I didn't really start using meth until I was 26. And when I did it, my whole world just went away so quick. Um, I, within a month, I lost my house, my dogs, my kid, my car. Um, I was homeless. And at that point, you know, I just felt super lost it just takes you away so fast that you don't you don't see any way out Mm -hmm. and so um never in my life did I think that I was gonna become a drug addict you know and I grew up having great grades taking care of everything I worked hard and then it just all came crashing down um so after I lost my daughter I just continued on that path and things got worse. Um, I had multiple encounters with being beaten, um, guns to my head, um, just tons of stuff. And I just continued to go and continued to go. Um, Eventually, it came down to, I didn't talk to family, I didn't talk to anybody. The friends that I kept weren't friends um and it it was just rough and then in October of 2019 I had just gotten out of jail in MCDC a treatment center in Butte and um was I got max benefited because I had gotten after two weeks I'd gotten all I could out of that program there was nothing more they could do for me Um, And so I had a lady that I considered my aunt come pick me up and went right back into it. Um, 
So I was out for about a month and back to doing the same thing. And I ended up in a situation where living with this lady I called my aunt, really probably like a drug aunt, I don't know, um, and her husband, and they fought a lot, um, mostly over drugs, and I was living at their house supplying them for them. Um, and that night, he was beating her up, and so I came out of my room and told him to stop, and he came at me trying to put me against a wall and when I went to defend myself he ended up stabbing me in my left eye um, and I got rushed to the ER by his wife and when I got in there they said that I, I was rushed to Bozeman for life-threatening injuries the knife had gone th in through my eye and was three centimeters away from my brain so there, I don't understand. I didn't understand at that time how, why I was even worth being alive with everything I was doing. You know, it could have went three centimeters farther and it would have been over. Um, and so I really struggled with that. Um, I got out of, well, when I came out of surgery, I ended up attacking my mom um, and ended up in jail. And got out again and was kind of, my real dad just kind of threw me on the side of the road. They didn't know what to do. There was nowhere for me to go. The house I had was the house that I got injured at. So where do you go? You know, and it, I ended up back in that same cycle again. And it wasn't, but maybe six, seven months later, I ended up back in jail. Still hadn't gotten my eye fixed. Um still running around with patch on my eye and uh, I got out again I don't know how I got out again and then within a month I was put back in jail and I ended up spending five months in jail and while I was sitting in jail I kept hearing this these girls talk about the Hope Center the Hope Center well you could go to the Hope Center I'm like I am not going I'll go to passages, I'll go to pre-release, I don't care, I'll go to prison, and I just still had that mentality, and um, so after sitting in there, you know, one girl would call Hope Center, and they were admitted, and the next one would call Hope Center, and they were admitted, and it was like, maybe I'm going to try this, so I did, you know, I called, and it, I talked to Bill, and within the next day, I had Stephanie calling, and they made the plea deal, I signed everything, um, and it took five weeks cause we ended up getting COVID here. So I got to stay in jail for an extra, you pray for patience and you get patience. <laughs> like I said, so, you got to stay in jail. Yeah. So it was oh, like, I, I was supposed to go one week and they, okay, you're going to go on Thursday. And then it was, well, this happened. So we're going to try next Thursday. Um, so I ended up staying in there for five weeks. And then when I did get here, I fought it. You know, I mean, we live in a great house with all these great people, but I fought it. I fought it so hard that I'm pretty sure I annoyed the staff multiple times. I tried to run. I ran from the church going to Bible study. I had my backpack, and I no one noticed that I had my backpack. And I, I'm from here, so I took off. 
and I started just running and trying to run and I was going to walk to a friend's house. I was going to do all this stuff. And every time I'm from here and every time I went down this road, all of a sudden it wasn't like a way to get through anymore. So then I go to, I walk back this way. I'm gone for an hour. I walk back this way. Okay. There's a road that cuts off here because I didn't want anyone to see me and I can't get through there. It's like a new fence line. So I make it down to the bar and I decide to call all these numbers, all these friends, you know, I'm good with numbers. So I got numbers in my head. I'm going to call all these friends and no one would answer. No one would answer the phone and they always answered. Um, so I finally got tired and I just gave up. I was like, I don't know what to do. Now I'm stuck in a bar. So I called my grandmother who told me I was not smart and that's nice words <laughs> that I was not smart and that I needed to call Stephanie. And I said, I don't have her number. So she gave me Stephanie's number and I called and Stephanie drove all the way from where we are all the way into town to pick me up. Um, and so that was my first experience trying to run. Then I had a couple other experiences. Um, but my biggest one is when we got COVID and I struggled really hard and I ended up having to restart my program three months into it. But I really think that that was the best thing when I finally surrendered to the program and surrendered to what I was supposed to do and let go of all the, all the, well, I don't want to do this and I don't need that. And I don't need God. I do need God. Yeah. That's the only, I've never been able to do anything right in my life doing it my own way my own way makes me miserable mm -hmm. you know so when I finally surrendered here um and I really put my all into my program I've seen I now have a relationship with every one of my family members um my relationship with my sisters are restored my real dad who left when I was seven we hang out all the time he comes up and visits um my brother, my stepbrother's girlfriend has now been brought here. So, and she's getting a chance to do, you know, do exactly what I'm doing. Um, I've had out of nowhere fines dropped, just dropped out of nowhere. I don't, never happened a day in my life. Um, and actually just the other day I went in to go see my probation officer and I have intent to distribute on my record. I know I do. And she, sitting in that office, she's like, you don't have intent to distribute. Wow. I said, I do have intent to distribute. <laughs> she said, no, you don't. I said, yes, I do. I have the paperwork. She said, well, it's not on here. Wow. And I said, oh, well, I'm not going to argue with you. <laughs> but I do, you know, and it's just things like that, like amazing things like that happen when you really put everything in him and you just let him do the work for you I mean it takes us doing some work too and just being obedient but coming here I learned to put him first and from there he'll handle everything I don't have to fight and struggle and do all that stuff I just need to be here and be doing things that he wants me to do and we've got tons of women here and it's just amazing to hear the different stories and the different Everybody comes from different, but we're all the same, you know, yeah. and so it's really awesome. So May went from the runner to the house leader. 
Yes. <laughs> yeah. So now You're she's responsible. Yeah. She's what? responsible yeah. for a whole lot of things and helping yeah. keep the house in order. Mm-hmm. I was gonna. So I was gonna ask you, like, since you have seen them, I don't know if you've seen them from their beginning, but you at least you know their stories a little bit more in depth than I do. So, um, like that, like something like that. What else have you seen in both of them? to where you can actually see like visible, tangible growth in their life? Well, I came out here Memorial Day, um, the week in, I came Memorial Day Monday. It was mm-hmm. a, it was a day off for Hope Center, but I traveled that day. And, um, you know, when I got here, they had just had a snow the week before. So this center is a little different than a lot of the other centers because of the seasons, you know, they have mm-hmm. long winters, they're very cold. So they spend a lot of time together. Um, sure. you know, um, it, with anywhere, you know, I'm a people person. I get along with anybody. Um, they they made me welcome right away. You know, I didn't know what I was coming into. I had no mm-hmm. idea this house was as beautiful as it is. Um, this is my the 14th center I've been inside of, and by far the most beautiful. Yeah. Um, I came out here to stay a month, and that ended up being uh, possibly three months. I've been here almost three now, and I'm. I'm getting ready to go to vacation and then come back again for another month or so. Um, And, you know, like being able to see, like, hear Loopy's story from the beginning and then, you know, hear her talk about her faith and she's forever Mm -hmm. uplifting the other girls. Like, I just watched her pray with one of the girls that's really struggling in the living room. And, you know, Maze helped me a lot with a lot of things with the girls, you know, like I, I have never lived in the, a center before. Mm-hmm. I've only brought girls in and got to know them. So it's been a different experience for me because I'm kind of like one of them, you know, but I have to separate <laughs> myself because I'm staff. Right. But, you know, I go over and sit over in um, DR with them when they do their daily review and they talk about how their day went. And, you know, I'm able to uplift them, but they do as much to me as I do to them. You know, I try to spend time with them and, um, you know, we, we do things like we go down to the lake. We've spent a lot of time at Canyon mm-hmm. Ferry, which mm-hmm. is about 20 minutes from here. Uh, one of the most beautiful places I've ever seen on earth. And so I've enjoyed it. It's taught me a lot to be here. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of humility to be here in the house and be able to see what all they do. And, you know, mm-hmm. somebody's forever asking me questions. Hey, can we do this? Can we do that? And I'm like, I don't know the house rules. You need to ask somebody <laughs> else. <laughs> but, you know, I enjoy being able to spend time with them and, and watch them grow. And it's you know, to see them baptized, I was so lucky to be able to. I videoed all of them. I took pictures of all of them, and um, I say this at all the graduations. And, and back in Virginia, they laugh at me, but I'm like, they're my babies. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like a proud mama at graduation day. You know, mm-hmm. um, I'm I'm never able to speak at a graduation that I don't cry because I, it's more happy tears because I'm just yeah. overwhelmed by the glory that I get to see God working mm-hmm. in these in these lives. And um, I flew home in June. Um, a resident that I had there in Virginia. It was my very first girl that I picked up from a jail, graduated. And she called me and said, I, you're not going to miss my graduation. I've purchased your plane ticket. I'm sending you the money. Find out what day you're flying. You're going to be here. And I, I flew home and was there for her graduation. And I cried through the entire graduation. Mm-hmm. Because a year prior to that, I picked her up from a jail and ate a gravy biscuit on the back of her mama's tailgate. And now here we are a year later, her family's restored. She's got a job and she bought my plane ticket home. (laughs) I mean, it was crazy. And so, you know, the Hope Center, it's a, it's a faith-based program. 
And I, a lot of judges look at me like I'm crazy when I present this program. Mm -hmm. But I was a magistrate for seven and a half years. I worked for the Supreme Court of Virginia. So I've seen the need for what Hope Center has to offer from a judicial standpoint, but then I encountered addiction with a, my, um, one of my own family. Mm -hmm. And so I've seen it from both sides. And, you know, when I tell a judge, he's like, what's different about your program than uh, these other programs out here? And I oh. say, God, <laughs> you know, some of them are like, amen. And then some of them look at me like I have three eyes. Mm -hmm. And it's the only program. And when I found Hope Center, and I saw it changing lives, I immediately wanted to be part of it. Mm -hmm. And so we're not just a rehab, we're a recovery program. Yeah. And, you know, the enemy has taken so so much from all these girls and guys, because we mm -hmm. have both types of centers, that our goal is to recover everything the enemy has ever taken from them. Mm -hmm. So it's a full circle recovery program. And our goal is to get them saved Sobriety is just a side effect of that. And it is a glorious thing to see because when you live for God, you want to live by his way. Mm -hmm. And there's scripture that tells us that he doesn't want us to be drunk. He doesn't want us to be out of the frame of mind that he, he gave us. He wants us to be sober. He wants us to be vigilant. Exactly. I don't know what, where, where that's at in the Bible, but it stood out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. My biggest thing huh? that I say for, and I tell the new girls when they come in is this if any other program you're dropped off at the doorstep where you started using here you come in you get to focus on yourself your family gets to come and see you you not you don't live with someone for 30 days you live with these women for one year when you get out you do not have to go and find sober friends which is usually a big struggle you mm -hmm. you well now who am I I'm sober who am I going to hang out with you have 20 plus women that you've just lived with for a year. They've been through the same things. You yeah. know their struggles. You don't have to share your story. We've been through it together. Mm -hmm. um, you've got a job. Your job's lined up. You can continue to work at that job if you want to. True. You save money. You know, at the end of your program, you save money. You do it all yourself. You know, it's you're not yeah. asking these people for help. For me, I, I spent a lot of time telling my grandma, I need money for this and I need money for... And I really needed it for drugs. But mm -hmm. here, my grandma paid that one time $700, and I've now worked for my treatment. So everything mm -hmm. I'm doing, I work, and we call them God dollars. So there are God dollars that we make, and that's you know, putting into our own sober, being sober, mm -hmm. getting healthy, having a job, having a place, and having all this connected family. You know, we live together for a year. You're never going to be alone after right. this. You've now got God. You've got friends. You've got support. You've got people that truly care about you. And they plug us into a really good church. Yeah. A really big everything. fellowship. And we're active in it. We go to mm -hmm. the camps. And um, we get to meet all the people from the church. Not just that church. But they, you know, we go to Bible studies. And we branch out and get to meet other Christians in the community. Mm -hmm. So when we leave this program we will have this big network of people and places we can go when we need help or need an ear or need a shoulder or need another person and and people to grow stronger in the faith with and just new ideas and new things that people do. Healthy, sober, normal, good Christian people do. It's just it's a whole a, new world. There's a lot of things that this program offers um, that you don't see in a lot of recovery programs. They 
they do fun Saturdays where we teach them how to have fun sober. Mm -hmm. um, we encourage them to stay plugged in once they graduate from the program, continue to attend the CR classes, come back and counsel. The, the best counselors there are are the people who've been through it. Right. Um, lot There's a huge percentage of people who work for Hope Center who came through the program who mm -hmm. want to give back. Um, you know, we have recently expanded to 29 centers across the United States. We have two getting ready to be three in Great Britain and Wales. Um, it's a huge organization. And, um, you know, Michaela was talking about the vocational training program. So that's part of their recovery is helping them find a vocation, learning a new trade. Um, they take that with them. That they're hired on eventually if they've done mm -hmm. satisfactorily during their time learning that trade. And when they leave, they take it with them. So they're employed, they've saved some money, they've built a strong support system, they have mm -hmm. a sisterhood or a brotherhood, yeah. um, and it's able to continue their success when they leave here. Yeah, and May, you kind of answered the question just a little bit ago that I was gonna ask, and so you may have a different answer, but um, what would y'all say is the hardest thing about recovery, and what would you say is the most rewarding thing? Just to put you on the spot. <laughs> For me, I think the hardest thing for recovery for me is is uh, I guess learning to feel the emotions that God gave me to identify where I'm at in my life. Um, mm -hmm. So just yeah. enduring the emotions um, and feeling the pain that some of them are and feeling the uncomfortable feelings that some of these emotions are and trying to figure out what these emotions are for and what they're trying to help me figure out or what they're pointing at or you know what I need to fix in my life instead of just masking them like I'm used to so in the very beginning it was really uncomfortable and I was I felt like I was trapped inside my head trying to claw my way out and now I feel like I mean I've I have an open dialogue with with God every like all day long and I just I talk to him constantly and I pray all of my concerns and all my worries into into him and I just I'm learning how to cope again so but I think that's probably the hardest thing is is um just feeling yeah managing them or understanding yeah. them or feeling them being in them and accepting it as a part of my life and accepting it as part of the way I'm going to be on this planet it's just what I'm designed for so that's hard mm -hmm. yeah so what would be the most rewarding thing the most rewarding I guess is um, experiencing the realness of love that I have for my family and learning that I don't hate people I actually love people and learning that I do care about other people and that I can be an asset to God's kingdom I feel like that's a huge reward um, when I first got here before I got here I was in a different treatment um, and I remember talking to my therapist and she said God has some great things in store for you and I told her I just hope it's not helping people because I don't care about other people <laughs> I only care about myself I don't have I don't have the energy or the time or the or the compassion in my heart <laughs> to care about other people or even worry wow. about other people. I'm all about me. But now I find myself like wanting to be of service to others 
Like, I, I used to charge the girls $20 for a haircut, um, or I won't cut your hair. And now I'm just cutting hair and not expecting anything in return. But, you know, it's just... Are you going to charge me for my undercut trim? <laughs> well, I can't say yes now. <laughs> <laughs> but one of, the, one of the tools that they have here um, that helps to dig out some of that underline. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons this program works is that they use Celebrate Recovery. And Celebrate, right. Celebrate Recovery is a 12-step program similar, similar to AA, but it's Christian-based. And, you know, you see a lot of people with the misconception that, oh, well, they just spent two years in jail. Certainly they can come out and stay clean. Mm-hmm. But the majority of the reason people use drugs or alcohol is to cover some hurt habit or hang-up that they cannot deal with. And so they're not healing from that when they're in jail. They're just being removed from it. So when they get out, they're still experiencing that same hurt. So here in this program, they start Celebrate Recovery from the very first week on, and we have that that 30-day focus period and 45 days into that intense Celebrate Mm -hmm. Recovery. And during that time, we try to dig up what it is. It's the hurt. So there's a lot of pain they go through in the very beginning. And we we work on that. We try to teach them to deal with it in other ways and to rely on God. And it's just like digging a hole in your yard. You dig up a tree in your front yard. Mm -hmm. You've got to fill that hole with something. And we teach them to fill it with the love of Jesus Christ. We Mm -hmm. show them how much God loves them and how much, you know, he wants for them in their life. And that helps repair that hurt. You know, when you've spent your life finding your purpose in men or women or drugs or things that are fleeting, then you're always going to be chasing it. But when you find your worth in Jesus Christ, who never leaves us or forsakes us, then we don't ever have to go back there. We're, we're right there. We're finding everything we need in him. And, and that's how you're able to sustain when you leave here because mm-hmm. you're healing that hurt and you're finding that when you run into this kind of thing again, you have a Savior who loves you and you can go to and he will deliver you. All things are possible through him. Mm-hmm. You know, you're taught all of that. And a lot of people aren't raised with a biblical background or were ever been to church or, or know anything about faith. And it's hard sometimes because it's something you can't see. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's like, you know, I'm... I sell a product that can't be seen, but I don't have a problem selling it because I believe in it and I see it right. working. And there's been many a days and that I thank God for giving me a front row seat to watch what he does, the miracles that happen before my eyes. Because I'm going to tell you, I was very skeptical. I lived through an addictive relationship uh, with someone in addiction. And it, it was just like, man, were we ever going to see the, the end of the road? And, you know, God showed me you... You hold the tools to help lots of people. Mm-hmm. Why are you focused on this one? And yeah. here I am. Here you are. Have you looked back? Oh, absolutely <laughs> not. <laughs> absolutely not. No, Some days here are hard, and I'm not going to say that they aren't. Um, you know, you you pray for people, and you, you work for them, and you're fighting for them. And I've mm-hmm. been at hotel rooms and holding people up because they're so high they can't stand. I've been in courtrooms where I thought they might go to jail for the rest of their life. I've, I've seen the worst of the worst, and I've seen the best of the best. I've seen God work miracles in a courtroom that I never thought would happen. But it's it's worth it. It's worth mm-hmm. it every single day. The, the good outweighs the bad. Yeah. And we have about a 57 to 62% success rate. It varies. And... 
to a lot of people that might sound low, but for addiction, it's very, very high. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Believe it. Well, May, I know you, you said something earlier about how living in a house with women is difficult, but then you also said that it's a double-sided coin because when mm -hmm. you when you graduate, then you have a support group. But um, was there anything else that you wanted to add as far as like what the what the hardest and then also what the most rewarding thing is for recovery for you? Um, I think the hardest thing for me is kind of like what Luffy said, you know, dealing with those emotions. I've never, I do not cry. Even to this day, I really do not cry. And so unburying a lot of those emotions is hard. And um, just being, being still for me is hard because I know this is where I need to be. I know what I need to be doing, but I'm a control freak. So I like to try to control everything I'm doing and so that's really hard for me to just sometimes I have to remind myself just stop mm -hmm. just stop and let whatever's gonna happen happen because I can't con whenever I've controlled it it's not worked yeah um, so I think that's the hardest thing for me is to kind of I daily have to remind myself not to control what's going on quit mm -hmm. controlling it um, but the most rewarding part for me is I'm, you know, I'm eight months, almost 11 months into my program. I restarted, so now I'm back at eight <laughs> months. Um, but to see the change, we were just talking about one of the other girls. To see from when she first came in and then see her now is amazing. Mm -hmm. And I can only imagine, I'm, well, I don't want to see the picture they took of me when I first got here. You know, but just the change and to watch, you know, I even saw Loopy when she first came in and to see, to sit here today and see how she is, is amazing. Mm -hmm. There's no other way to describe it than finding God, than, know, than knowing that you have God with you because there's no way I would have been sober without God. You feel lost. You feel like you're nothing. But when you come to this house and something a bit about being around all these women and we listen to only Christian music we watch only Christian shows you know we go to church there is no outside evil or you know we don't have phones we don't have anything there's nothing that can get in there it's everything's focused on God and when you put that first it's amazing to watch the changes in women within just a week mm -hmm. and that's rewarding is to see that you know, and see him cry. There was a girl just the other day saying, I just didn't know how good I would feel and how amazing, and it's only been a week. And it's like, imagine in eight months, you know, or I never thought I would have made mm -hmm. it. So it's just super rewarding to be able to tell them, you know, just wait. Just wait and see what happens because yeah. you think this is good, and if you keep putting God first and you keep doing what you're supposed to be doing, this that there's no limit there's mm -hmm. really no limit what he can do for us there just isn't and so to may that. may mentioned that her um brother's girlfriend had been had come in and it's a long story of how she finally got here but she did and i flew to tennessee uh last week from wednesday to saturday to sunday uh, for graduation at our portland center from one of the girls there that i had a very hard road with and to finally see her graduate I wanted to be there for mm -hmm. um, but I was just gone from Wednesday to Sunday and when I came back in May's brother's girlfriend meets me in the kitchen and gives me a big hug 
And I have to like push her back and look at her because I'm like, I didn't even hardly recognize you. And mm-hmm. in, in, I've only been gone a week, well, not even a week, Wednesday to Sunday, and she doesn't even look like the same person. She looks so good. It's like she's back to healthy, and mm-hmm. and she just every day is so thankful that she made the decision. It was a hard, mm-hmm. tough time getting her here, um, but she's here, and she's so happy she made that, that decision to come, and I'm glad to be able to share that with May because we prayed mm-hmm. about that, and we worked mm-hmm. on her, and, you know, mm-hmm. we would kind of work on it together, and, and, you know, when she didn't come the first time, we were kind of all heartbroken about it, and, you know, it's it's a wonderful reward, especially... Um, you know, Hope Center not only restores the person, it restores families and it restores communities. And so to be able to see people in the same house that share family members and everybody is, is growing Mm -hmm. together. You know, I just, I just got a a text message last week from a mother. Um, I helped her son a while back and she told me when she was taking him to the Hope Center in Tennessee, um, I just want you to know my son wasn't raised in church. We don't, I've never taken him to church. I think he's been one time. I wanted him to see what it was about, but I wanted him to be able to make his own decision. And we don't have a Christian background. And I said, it's okay. You don't have to be a Christian to be in the mm-hmm. Hope Center. You just have to know that we do read the Bible. We go to church. You know, part of our curriculum is Bible-centered. Mm-hmm. And on the way back to Florida, after she dropped him off, she called me, and I couldn't answer the phone, and I got a text message, and it was a picture and I could barely make out what it was. And then she called back and I answered. And she said, oh, my God, did you get my picture? And I was like, what? And she said, a plane just flew in front of my car. And it wrote, Jesus saves in the clouds in front of me in smoke. And she had taken a picture of it. And once she told me what it was, I could see it. Yeah. And she was like, what are the chances of that? And, you know, we just had this discussion. So I ended up introducing her to a codependent group. So she could try to help get herself well wow. during the time her her son was doing this program. None of us ever thought he'd finish. And he graduated about two months ago. He stayed there in Tennessee. He's built a life there. And last weekend, I got a text message from her. And she said, thank you so much for everything you've done for my family. I've just sent you a video. I wanted you to know I got baptized Sunday. Mm. <laughs> so it's just being able to see how... The love of God spills out to these mm-hmm. families from just what they experience here in the center. Yeah. It's overwhelming. And mm-hmm. when I was in Tennessee this weekend, I saw the director of this lady's son. Mm-hmm. And I said, you will never guess who I got a text message from. And she, and when I told them, and I told them that she'd been baptized, the whole house was like, you are kidding. She's the last one we'd have thought. But mm-hmm. that's how God works. You know, he's, yeah. he's that addiction has saved mm-hmm. that whole family. Yeah. And it's just, it's amazing and rewarding and all of every emotion you can think of thrown into one. <laughs> right. Praise God. Yeah. Like, and, and they don't cry, but I cry a lot. <laughs> I mean, I've cried a few times just I've only been here since Monday. Um, but, wow. Yeah, I mean, I, I really believe that freedom, like, true freedom is contagious. And I feel like that, like you said, that it just, you know, your families, the people that you're connected to, when they knew who you were, um, you know, before coming in here, and then they're seeing the change in you. It's like, even if they're not in addiction, if they're just stuck in mm-hmm. whatever it is, like some some rut of a lifestyle, and they see that change is possible, like it makes them want to mm-hmm. be better and do better and and change things up. So I'm just excited, like for you guys. 
And I, I know for certain that there are going to be people that are listening to this that um, are either in addiction themselves. They know somebody uh, who is in addiction. They are parents of somebody who's in addiction. So, um, Lupi, I know that you said that your family has been restored um, with your mom and your daughter. Yes. And um, so what would you, what advice would you give to a parent of somebody who feels like that their child, you know, that they just, they're, they're wondering if there's hope for their child. What would you say to that parent? That's a good question. Um, I mean, hope if they're believers, I think prayer is the most impactful thing I've ever experienced in life. Um, I know my parents, or at least my father has prayed for me. Um, but I mean, I had to do it on my own time. I really think that leaning into God and praying hard is some good advice. Um, uh, my mother, she's the mother of three of us and two of us are addicts. Um, my brother's stable and sober. Um, he's actually helping my mom take care of my daughter, but I... I don't know what I would tell a parent of a child with addiction. Um, I guess you have to kind of love them from afar, and so you don't, you know, add fire to the fuel or add fuel to the fire <laughs> by uh, enabling or I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so pray hard. That would be that would be the biggest advice. Pray daily for it and pray sincerely from the heart. Mm-hmm. Okay. So May, what would you say if there is somebody listening that um, is is wanting to do better and be better, but they, like you, want to run, and they don't think that either that they can do it, that they're good enough, that they have the support, and they just want to run, what would you say to that person? Um, I would tell them that, number one, the one thing I hated hearing when I first got here was pray about it. Mm-hmm. They told me, pray about it, pray about it. I'm like... I would call my grandma and be like, Grandma, they just keep telling me to pray about it. I don't get it. You know, so do pray about it. But one thing that I was always told is that if you're perfect, nobody's perfect. But you don't find Jesus being perfect. Jesus, You find Jesus in the struggles. So when you're struggling and when you're right now seems hard and it seems terrible and you I know for me, I felt lost and like no one loved me and no one cared about me, but Jesus does. And Mm -hmm. he looks at your struggles and he can just forgive those and the things that you go through. So what better time? I mean, what can you lose to put everything with him and just come to a Hope Center or, you know, reach out to church or wherever. We've got Hope Centers all around the world. And I tried to run, but... I am so glad I stayed through the two times that I tried to get out of here. Mm -hmm. I, this is the best choice of my life to not run and to just stay and be here and do what I need to do. And there's just, God loves us no matter what. Mm -hmm. So if you're struggling, he'll be there. If you're hurting, he'll be there. If you're happy, he'll be there. So you can't really lose when you're, when you're here, when you're doing yeah. it. So. Amen. I love it. Is there anything else that we did not touch on that you guys want to add before we wrap this up? I don't know. 
What did y'all think about that Bible study that Catherine led this morning? Oh, it was good. It was really good. That was good. I left here feeling like I could get the whole world. It was so good. I went to work and I told Melissa, I said, Melissa, you missed a good Bible study. It was really good. You did good. That was the best one yeah, that we've it was, had it was a good. long time. It was really heartfelt, and yeah. uh, I don't know, it made me feel like, I mean, it kind of just was a reminder of how, I guess, how raw life can be and how carnal it is, but also how loving and how powerful the goodness is, how much brighter it is than any of the carnage that is in this world, so... It was real, and it was good. So thank you for that. Yeah. Thank y'all. I feel like y'all were definitely leaning in and soaking it up, so that that mm-hmm. that pulls more out of anybody that is trying to to pour into you. So just yeah. and you, if you if you've given your testimony, if you've shared your story, then you know if somebody doesn't look interested or whatever, it's kind of like, you know, it, you'll shut down. Mm-hmm. But if somebody's like pulling it from you, and they're just like mm-hmm. a dry sponge soaking it up. That's what y'all were to me today. So I appreciate that. It's cool how God works like that. He like he'll benefit you by sharing, but then he'll benefit the listener by them listening. It's it is. mm -hmm. It's a trip. It's a trip. (laughs) (laughs) You're right, man. This has been this has been quite the trip. I feel like I've been here for months. Like I feel like I know y'all personally, and I seriously have only had a handful of conversations with y'all, but. Anyway, I feel like I'm at home and y'all are family to me. So um, thank y'all for being on the podcast. Yeah. And I'm so looking forward to uh, the feedback that we'll get from this episode of hearing from you guys. And um, just thank you for being open and letting others' lives and mindsets and, um, and futures be changed because of your honesty and your surrender and your discipline. So I appreciate y'all so much. And um, thank you, Patty, for what you do. And Thank for you letting for coming us, out and visiting with us. Yeah. Okay. I, I, it might not be my last time. I know you're about to come home, but I'm like, I might come back without you. <laughs> yeah, come back before I graduate. Yeah. And we'll oh do another gosh. one. Shoot, I know. Yeah. And we'll call it the snips and stories because you're going you're gonna to barbershop my undercut. <laughs> but no, you've got to patent that. That's going to be your podcast, <laughs> snips and stories. But... Thank you guys so much for listening. There will be a part two uh, to this episode. So I'm going to be interviewing a couple of, uh, I think they've already graduated. No, they're in third phase. They're in third phase. They're about to graduate. Um, The ladies that I am currently talking to are in second phase. Uh, And so there are three. And um, so there's there's levels for that. But uh, so make sure you check out the part two of this. And again, thank you guys for listening to Church Talks.